Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, yes. Here in the warmth, the bosom of the <laughs> Brewing Network Studios. Yes. We're okay while the rest of the country is freezing their asses off. Yes, yeah, like 80 degrees in California today. Yeah. I'm driving here, I'm looking at my thermometer on my car, it's like... 77 degrees. <laughs> I was running my air conditioning. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to have air conditioning in California. I mean, it is it is January, and that's air conditioning time. <laughs> yeah. What a world we have to put with. Yep. Yeah, I've, I've just uh, hired another person for the tasting room. Yeah. In fact, uh, I had to tell the kids to go out and mow the lawn today. <laughs> <laughs> that's good parenting there, John. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm sure the three-year-old will be able to uh, fire up that mower and uh, <laughs> push it around. No problem. Well, hey, um, if, if you can rock that pull start, you can mow the lawn. That's right. That's right. And if you can't rock the pull start, I'm going to beat you until you can. That's what my grandpa always said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so what were you saying before I cut you off? No, uh, I, no. Uh, we just hired another person from uh, back east. Oh. Hired you know, the, the last. Oh well, no, not the last. But uh, we just hired two people from uh, kind of Boston, Philly area, and they're like, "Oh, thank God, I'm out here now." <laughs> just like <laughs> I'm not going back. I'm staying here. Like, Are they well, cake washers or what? Uh, one for the tasting room and another for uh. A uh, sales rep down in Southern California. Ah, okay. And we just hired two more people for the brewery to brew. That's one of the things we need to do is a show on how to get a job working at a brewery. Yeah. Because clearly, 95% of you have no clue as to how to get a job in a brewery. Because <laughs> the crap that you send me in order to try and get a job in a brewery is pathetic. And those of you who think, oh, no, I'll just volunteer to work for free. First off, that doesn't work. You can't just employ somebody for free. It's against the law, especially in California. And the other is you people don't really want to work for free. You're, you're, you're thinking, well, I'll work for free. And that way I can just work whatever hours I want. And I'll learn <laughs> all this stuff on my own time. And they'll teach me all this stuff. Hell No. The time we spend training somebody to brew costs us thousands and thousands of dollars. So if you want a free education, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to work for minimum wage. You're going to work you know, 40 hours a week, and you're going to be begging for more, right? None of this. And I, I had, oh, I swear, 
Hey, you got me on my rant here. <laughs> I had I had one kid come in. He was he was seemed seemed really good. Used to hard work. Uh, seemed personable. We were like, okay, you know, you can have the job. You can you can start working for us. And I, I tell everybody, it's like you're going to work. It's, this is minimum wage. Don't ask for more. Oh, that's like eighteen dollars an hour now in California, though. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, don't ask for more because if you do, clearly you don't have the passion to become a brewer. You don't have what it takes. It's not that important to you. And there's a thousand other people out there who will be more qualified because they really do want it. And this one kid, and he's like, oh, I understand. He goes, home, he's like, you know, could we do maybe uh, another dollar or two an hour? I'm like, no. Thanks for applying. <laughs> you're not you're not offered the job anymore. It's really dumb because what if he even got his way? He gets another 18 bucks a paycheck? Yeah, right, great. Right. What was the point of that? Right, right. Oh, and I understand. Hey, you need money to survive and minimum wage is not is not that great. Um, but you know, we're offering uh, you know, an education that that is very hard to come by and very expensive. Yeah. So uh, either you want it or you don't. And you have to, you know, instead of paying a school to give you that, you, uh, you know, the way you're paying for it is a couple of bucks an hour. Um, you know, there. So, no, now we've got a couple of guys that fully understand that. And like, yep, they took a pay cut to come work for us. They're like, yep, no problem. And, you know, you, you work hard, you prove yourself, and then you get a raise. Yeah. That's how it works. And if you're good, we keep paying you more and more and more <laughs> to keep you after we've invested thousands of dollars in you. So there you go. That's my rant for today. Aren't people just entitled to make a lot of money right from the start? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you who's entitled to make a lot of money right from the start. That John Blickman. I yeah. tell you, that guy, he, he's he's one clever sum of gun. And uh, if that guy wanted to... to to work for us for minimum wage, I think I'd let him. All for I, it. I would. Yeah, he's he's worth every penny we pay him to sponsor this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much is he making now? Boatloads, like, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he's a brilliant guy. Great products. Right. Yeah. Innovating your brew day. I tell you, he uh, he comes up with such clever things all the time. Uh, then I'm just amazed that, you know, you think, well, yeah, brewing's pretty much state-of-the-art right now. How, how are you going to change it? How are you going to make that better? How is it going to, how are you going to modify, you know, the brewing equipment to be better than what it is? I mean, that's that was the thing with the, uh, you know, the bottling, uh, bottling yeah. beer, you yeah, know, sure. and, and instead of the whole counter-pressure thing, he came out with a whole new way of doing it, which just blew everybody away. That's why the, the beer gun is so popular. And uh, so that's the kind of uh, thing you find from Blickman Engineering. So check it out, BlickmanEngineering.com, Blickman with two N's. And uh, good people there. Uh, if you get a chance, email John at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell him how much you appreciate that uh, he sponsors the show. He he reads every one of those, and he does appreciate uh, the, the good feedback. So check it out. Today we are going to be doing a live Q&A show talking about uh sour beers making sours yeah it's a popular topic and uh if you want to get your questions in on on one of these shows you uh just email uh bruce strong at the brewing network.com and uh whatever your subject is and eventually we will bundle them up into a show and uh and do those shows for you 
right. Uh, what's our first question of the day? It is from Mark Bozen. And he said, hi, John and Jamil. I have a question regarding sours. I have been experimenting uh, with using both Brett uh, and some of the lactic acid bugs to make sours. The contribution of the Brett yeast is pretty obvious, but I'm curious about the flavor contribution of using Pediococcus versus Lactobacillus or the combination of both. Uh, I've used the Y-East Rosalaire blend with great results. Uh, it's just hard to experiment with batches of beer that take a year to fully ferment and age to compare results of changes that you make. Any insights you offer would be appreciated. So, PDO versus lacto. Um, PDO is where you get some of the enteric flavors from, right? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, you can. I mean, one of the things about PDO is it will produce uh, diacetyl. You will get a buttery, and um, and it can be ropey. Um, yeah. But uh, so you can't use PDO without uh, Brett. Brett will help clean up after the PDO, so it takes yeah. a long time. If you want something quick, you know, use lactic or lactobacillus. If you are looking at you know a long term project, you can use PDO. The nice thing about PDO is it tends to sour when uh, lactobacillus has kind of given up the ghost. PDO will generally uh, sour more for you and keep going. But, again, it throws off these flavors that you need the Brett to clean up. Is the, the ropiness, is that just a visual thing? Or is it, there flavors from that, too? Um, I'm sure there's flavors associated with the production of that. But uh, also, it's, you know, it's a visual texture thing. So, I mean, what difference does that make, right, if it's, if it's only visual? Um, yeah, but there, there's other flavor compounds in there that need to be cleaned up anyways. So it's, it's just a matter of time. Um, but that's that's kind of one of the differences between those. Um, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that you can do to control the flavors that you're getting, you know... I have this theory on the mixed on these mixed cultures, like the Roselaire blend, which I love from from Yeast. I think it's fantastic. Um, and you know the the, the common belief as well. You pitch this; it's in certain measures that they measure out and to get you a certain profile, and then you ferment with this. And then if you were to take that and repitch it, the beer would be different because. Now your ratios are off, and it's not going to you know end up being the same. I am not so sure about that. My belief is that because I've taken dregs of different bottles of beer and just added some some sterile wort, and the flavor of it, the fermentation flavor of it later on, seemed just like the beer before. So. Um, you know, my theory is that certain of these these yeasts and bacteria will work to the extent that they work. They'll maybe the timing will be different, but you're going to pretty much end up with the same result. Maybe it starts to sour faster on the repitch, and you know, maybe the attenuation down to you know that the bread is eating the the starch, you know, takes longer. Or maybe the Brett starts out really quick and then the souring, you know, is very slow and, and comes on over time or something like that. Maybe, you know, but the end result is the same. Whether you, you, which way you do it, you end up at the same point. That each of these things works to the, 
amount that they you know can you know reduce the ph okay. can consume the starches can do these things um, so essentially they're eating different things each time or yeah i mean they're you know they are consuming uh, sharing a lot of the same pool but i think that you know there's limits like on lactobacillus there's limits on you know what what ph is possible and things like that and i think that that has some impact on it Okay. And when you pitch a mixed culture, I think a lot of times they all find an equilibrium, no matter if you pitch a lot more of one or the other at the beginning, and then you repitch, and those numbers are not quite the same. I think, I don't think it'd be identical, but I think it'd be pretty close, is, has been my experience. And uh, I think the thing that has far greater impact is the amount of oxygen available and the temperature at which you're running this thing and um uh you know the available sugars and starches when you start i think those things are your critical controls and pick pitching a mixed culture whether you buy the rosalier blend or you just bought you know the three strains of brett the belgian ale yeast the sherry floor the pediococcus lactobacillus and toss them all in I'm wondering if you just end up with the same thing. Hmm. So that's my theory. I don't know if that helps anybody, but uh, that's kind of what I've been experiencing. And so I think there's some truth to it. So there. Good to know. All right, let's take a short break. We'll get some more beer and we'll come back and answer more of your questions right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant well thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. 
Hey, my Bruton brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanisha, and I love a bold, hoppy beer when it spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering, but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, sour beers here. Full of piss and vinegar. Remind me not to drink your sour beer, John. <laughs> I wondered. I wondered what that that flavor was in there. <laughs> you thought it was I pedio, thought, didn't you? I thought it was asparagus. Uh, apparently, <laughs> it was something else. <laughs> something else altogether. All right. The next question is from uh, Matthew Rusler. Hello, Bruce Strong. I'm a big fan of the show and your guys' books. Uh, I'm starting uh, a sour experiment. Had a few questions in brewing classic styles. Uh, it's mentioned that Jamil's friend Raj uses tapered wood pegs to allow proper oxygen for his glass carboys for Flanders Reds. Uh, where can you get these? Uh, also, on a similar topic, uh, if I'm pitching the Roselaire blend, blend or Brett uh, Brooks, uh, is there any other uh, bacteria? And I'm using oak spiral pegs with the bacteria. Uh, what's the best way to save the inoculated oak for later use for future sours? Is it just by the same methods of a yeast starter than refrigerate or what? Thanks a lot, Matthew. All right. First off, if you're looking for a, a, a wooden tapered peg, you might try adamandeve.com. Uh, <laughs> I know they've got some some, uh, some plastic tapered pegs. At least that's what they look like to me when I checked them out. They're shaped like a spade. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of shaped, uh, kind of got a pointy end to them, and then kind of like a handle on the end, uh, a large uh, two bulbous handles on the end, so you can insert it into the... Uh, you can get our bowels at Home Depot. You can get yeah, right. But at AdamandEve.com, Adam and Eve, here's what you're going to get. You can't get 50% off at Home Depot. That's you true. Can get, you can use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at AdamandEve.com. And, you and get the DVDs 50- are different, too. <laughs> right. You can get 50% off of just about any one item that they sell. When you buy that one item 50% off, that's all you're paying. Then you're going to get free shipping. You're going to get a free extra gift so sensual. I can't mention what it is. And you're going to get to choose from three three free adult DVDs from categories such as anal, amateur, Asian, big breasts, big butts, bisexual, chunky, co-eds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, and MILFs. They have MILFs at Home Depot, too. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. Um, uh, however... Uh, if you try and get one of those for free at Home Depot, you're probably going to get into trouble. But not so at Adam and Eve. Use that offer code Jamel. You get the one item fifty percent off, free shipping, free extra gift, and three free DVDs. They even have a mobile site, so you can check it out. AdamandEve.com. dot com. All right. Uh, as far as the tapered wood pegs, if if you don't find those at AdamandEve.com, dot com, what I'd suggest is not doing it at all. Um, 
I mentioned that Raj did this, and Raj was, you know, quite convinced that that was the way to go back in the day until he busted a lot of carboys and things like that. And that's what people are having the problem with. That was his method, not my method. Um, I I believe in using a uh, one of those rubber carboy caps. They come in orange and yellow, depending on the size of carboy you're putting them on. Those things leak uh, plenty, and those are those are just about right for. And what what Raj is doing there was uh, people don't seem to quite understand what the purpose of it was. It's really just for oxygen. Uh, permeating across the the wood and getting into there and, and simulating the amount of oxygen that gets gets into those large forters that they use at like Rodenbach. Here's, you know, uh, 70 barrels of beer in a large wooden vat. If you put it in a smaller barrel, the ox- amount of oxygen that goes in, the smaller your, your vessel, the more oxygen is is going across that 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 boundary into your your beer. So a 60-gallon barrel, uh, you're getting quite a bit of oxygen in there compared to these large 70-barrel furters. Uh, you go to a you know an 8-gallon barrel, you're getting a massive amount of oxygen in there. So the proper ratio would be like a wooden surface in the uh, end grain wooden surface in in your the neck of your carboy. That's about the the amount of oxygen you want. So these carboy caps are a bit more. Uh, oxygen, uh, but if they work out quite well. Uh, it won't swell up and break your carboy. Uh, won't plug it up. If you're doing this, um, there are apparently some people in the state of Alaska that uh, can't think through these things, and they <laughs> use them in primary fermentation and have the carboys explode and ruin their carpets and their wife's wedding dress and things like that. <laughs> really, this is for aging after the fact. So you do your primary fermentation, you wait for all the activities over, and this is in the aging part of it, where everything's still and quiet, maybe a, a pellicle forms, and you just want a little bit of oxygen coming across. And that's when you would use something like this. I don't care for it. I like the, uh, the carboy caps. I think that those work quite well. Uh, the other thing I do is fill the... Uh, the uh, carboy up to the neck so that your surface area of the liquid is minimized as well and you're getting uh, just just about the right amount i think and then you know it takes a year or two um now one of the things that Vinny at russian river was doing was he was aging things in barrels and then when he was done with that and that barrel was going to be retired he uh like ground that thing up and made chips of that after if, and they were dry and he was giving them out in baggies to homebrewers. Absolutely fantastic. And you could take those chips, throw them in a beer, and it would the bugs would come out and uh, you know turn your beer. So yeah, I made a very nice sour that way using those chips. It wasn't like piss and vinegar, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was very nice. There you go. How many um, chips are we talking about in, in a packet like that? You give them out in little Ziploc baggies. There was maybe uh, probably about a cup, and I used half of a half oh, of a yeah. bag. Yeah. Into a five gallon, five gallon car. Yeah, maybe a cup or half a cup. Maybe. Yeah. Is he still doing that? I don't know. That was uh, that was an NHC. What in Oakland? Did did that? He gave him out a number of places. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a couple ounces by weight, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were just uh, kind of flakes. Uh, shards of shards of wood. So what you can do, and, and what I did uh, a couple of times was, uh, 
uh, with the Rosalaire blend, uh, one of the things I would do, since I'm doing a carboy and I wanted some oak flavor in there, I'd take some medium toast French oak cubes. You can get them from your homebrew supplier. And I would uh, uh, toss those in and let the uh, bugs kind of inoculate those. The brett will work itself in uh, up to a quarter inch deep into the wood. And uh, so you let all that in there, and then once you're done, you rinse them off real thoroughly and then let them dry, and those will actually work as well. So it's not a matter of just dipping your wood in the carboy. You have to leave it in there to soak. Right, right, right. Don't just stick your wood in there and then pull it out and stick it in and pull it out. You want to stick it in, leave it in, let it kind of soak in and swell up, become turgid, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then, so to speak. and then that wood uh, is is quite quite nice, quite nice wood. All right, the next one is from uh, Rafael Orozco Jr. Uh, hey guys, how's it going? Long time listener, first time emailer. I like that. Uh, you guys need to start doing that more. Long time, first time. I just revisited the Berliner Weitz episode, and I plan on brewing a ten gallon batch of your recipe next weekend. Uh, however, since this is my first sour beer, I'm unsure if the process of making a starter differs when compared to other beers. I am wondering whether I have to make two separate starters, one for the yeast and one for the lacto, or can I just pitch the yeast and the lacto together to make a starter? I only have a two-liter flask, uh, so I would probably have to make one starter first, transfer the contents to another container, and then make another starter. Is a lacto or yeast starter even necessary for such a low-gravity beer? Any help you could give would be greatly appreciated. Certainly wouldn't hurt... um what I'd probably do is grow up the lacto first. I mean, you give yourself a a few weeks to make sure you get a nice big picture of lacto, as big as you can. And then you probably don't need a yeast starter in such a low-gravity beer unless you're pitching very little yeast. Um, there are a fresh tube of White Labs or a fresh tube of a pack of uh, white yeast to do it. But you could also do a, a starter. Um, you'd only need the one liter starter worth probably. Yeah. And then, um, but it would be nice, you know, the day before, uh, you know, or, you know, keep your lactose starter active. So it's really, you know, the bugs are quite working. And then when you pitch it, you know, pitch it active and warm and, uh, you know, you get some, some good action out of it. All right, the next one is from Ken Wells. ABNers, I'm looking for an authority on sour beers, and I don't see anything on the uh, Bruce Strong titles. Well, here, here's your show, sir. Uh, some California Bay Area clubs are sending around uh, email traffic regarding Berliner Weitz and the sour mash method of building lactic acid and other funk. The topic of oxygen was brought up and how to control oxygen levels to get the right lactic acid levels without a heavy acetic acid character. Uh, doesn't the grain have oxygen in it even after the mash is complete, but before adding the raw grain for souring? No. I'm not quite sure I understood that. Um, if you've mashed, the because it's hot, there's not, there's not much oxygen uh, getting into it at all. Uh, the gas solubility is pretty low. At 150 yeah. Fahrenheit. yeah. Okay, he goes on. How would you keep out oxygen after adding the raw grain? Someone suggested using the CO2 exhaust from one fermenting beer and piping that into a water trap and then onto into rather the sour mash t- 
ton to keep oxygen out. Just put saran wrap over it or put the lid on. Yeah. Um, um, you know, what, we, what we've what we done is uh, we've used argon. So argon's, you know, inert and um, tends to... Uh, it's it's get, the heaviest gas. Right. So it settles pretty well. It settles better than uh, nitrogen because um, CO2 is a little heavier than nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the problem with CO2 is that it breaks down into, you, you get oxygen, you get oxidation from, from CO2 still. Because um, a big part of CO2 is oxygen. Um, the, the thing is, so, so what, we, what we've done is just pipe in argon and blanket in argon, just a slow trickle of argon for however many days you're souring the thing. Uh, and people have used CO2 or nitrogen. Um, the problem with the sour mash, and I, I, I believe it can be done well, um, It nine times out of ten, if you don't get everything right, it's going to taste like ass. And it's not because of, it's not acetic. Acetic comes from something else altogether. What you're going to get is more the enteric. You're going to get the, it's going to taste like, you know, somebody's dirty underwear yeah like when you throw in the compost pile for a week right yeah it smells like death and the the problem is there's all these different bacteria on this on this grain and even certain strains of lactic uh bacteria uh lactobacillus will produce these funky things that also kill your head retention and the trick is um the trick is or so I've heard. I haven't really proven it for myself, but the trick seems to be that you first need to make sure the pH is low enough before you do this mash souring. If it's low enough, it should turn out with far less funk. If the pH is too high, you're going to get the ass taste in beer. So the first thing to do is adjust your mash down to about four and a half. And that's the cutoff. If you're below four and a half or below, you shouldn't get the ass-tasting beer. You should get more of a clean lactic. So the thing to do, you add some uh, lactic acid to your mash, get it down there to about four and a half, and then add your other grains and blanket it with argon or nitrogen or whatever, or saran wrap, and, uh, and then... The theory is that you're going to get a fairly clean lactic. You're not going to have the degradation of the proteins uh, happen, and you'll get a much nicer beer. Now, the I think one of the best uh, Berliner Weisses I've ever had was made using... Um, so they did their mash. And I'll tell you, you know, the the reason a lot of commercial brewers are doing this sour mash thing is it's quicker um, to do it this way than uh, you know do it the other way and so uh, that's why they're doing it as a homebrew you don't need to do that so the uh, I think one of the best is to do your mash uh, heat up your heat up your wort in your kettle uh, to get a uh, you know do, do a regular mash heat get clean wort into the kettle, heat it up to kill everything that's in there. Pasteurize it, in other words. 
pasteurize it, cool it back down, and then pitch a uh, grown culture of lacto and you know brett if you want, and you get a nice a nice character of that you know within a, a couple of days or a day even uh, if you pitch enough, and then you can heat it up again and kill it and then. Uh, move on or you can go ahead and just you know continue on at that point pitch your your regular yeast and uh go from there and that that seems to work out well but if you want to do the sour mash thing um get your ph low enough and uh should should be so you're you're souring the wort before fermentation instead of ferment fermenting and then souring afterwards right the residuals the problem being um if you get to too low a ph the normal uh uh, the yeast won't fermentation won't won't ferment very well but it's a low gravity beer um you know and brett will continue to ferment a little bit better so you can use brett if you pitch enough brett it tends to be you know a fairly clean character um so i think that's maybe the best way to go Okay. All right. Let's take another short break. And when we come back, we will uh, have more of your questions right after this. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. BN Army, I'm here to talk seriously for a second. You all are partially responsible for something explosive, and it's time you answer for it. Moonlight Meadery is exploding. Yeah, exploding across the country. Wait, they just landed in Australia with insane quality meads. With nearly 70 different varieties of mead on the market, Moonlight Meadery has blown up the mead category and completely reinvented it. Seriously? 
What? Seriously. What? You're paying money for that watered-down mead when you could have a Moonlight Mead? Moonlight Meads explode with quality and flavor. They're a party in a bottle. Did someone say party? If you want mead and want the best, you want meads from Moonlight Meadery and will accept nothing less. Be a part of the BN Mead Explosion and ask for, no, demand Moonlight Meads at your favorite bottle shop. Moonlight Meads. Girly names. Manly Meads. Hey, sign me up for that party. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're enjoying another lovely afternoon in beautiful downtown Martinez. I guess I'm the only one enjoying beautiful downtown <laughs> lovely Martinez. Ah. We're doing a, a show, a live Q&A show. Am I the only one talking here? I'm doing a live Q&A show on uh, on hops or sour. No, sour didn't, beer. You, didn't you just hear John exhale? Good. Yeah, yeah, John yeah, exhaled loudly. Exhaled. Great. You guys, you, you keep upholding your end of the, the show with your exhaling. <laughs> and I'll, I'll do all the talking. John, see if you can work in an inhale, too. Just keep it fresh, you know? Right, right. Mix it up. Mix okay. it up. Perfect. That was great. There you go. Okay, here's the next question from uh, Michael Denniston. Hey, guys, I have a beer that I fermented with uh, WLP 005 British Ale. It had an OG of 1065 and fermented down to 1016. Uh, I then added uh, six pounds of fresh whole cherries for a couple weeks, transferred to a stainless steel vessel, and pitched a vial of uh, 655, the Belgian sour mix. Uh, It's now been there for six months. It still does not have much of a sour character. I checked the gravity, uh, and I got it to 1017. does not seem that the residual sugars are being eaten away at. Uh, there is a good pellicle form, but no measurable progress. I was thinking about adding more fruit to feed the yeast. What do you guys think? Hmm. I would say more sour. Another sour inoculation. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so here's the interesting thing, I think, about uh, you know the pellicle is generally formed as kind of like a you know a brett thing um when you see that with a little bit of oxygen um and that doesn't tend to actually get sour so brett will will ferment something out it's a yeast and it'll ferment something out uh and become uh you know it can be relatively clean it's when uh when it has an excess of oxygen that it starts to form acetic acid which is vinegar which you don't want to have happen so you're really depending on those other critters in there for souring. So uh, what was it, 65 down to 16 or something? 17, I think. Uh, originally down to 16, and he said now it's up to 17 after the six the months. fruit, you know, a bunch of fruit sugars in there, uh, which puts it at uh, what sort of ABV? I don't know. Um, you know, the higher the ABV, the harder it is for the souring bugs to sour. So it takes quite a bit of time. Eventually, it'll do it. Um, the I'm not sure what is in the White Labs uh, sour mix, whether it has PDO or not. But you might try adding PDO because in those cases, uh, PDO might be able to sour where lacto would not. Um, you know, like John says, another pitch of uh, sour mix uh, might do the trick. 
he also doesn't mention what temperature it's at. Ah, uh-huh, true. He does not. Uh, for the record, though, six fifty-five uh, contains uh, Brett Saccharomyces and uh, Lactobacillus and Pediococcus. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so you might try adding more. Wouldn't hurt anything to add more, you know, sour mix. Uh, but temperature is, is the thing. I would not go hot on it, but I would get it up maybe to 68 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, uh, you know, around uh, 20 C. You think it might be too cold? Might be. He doesn't yeah. say. Um, but that can have an impact. That, and uh, it's been, what, six months? Yes. You know, and it depends on how sour he wants it. Um, I mean, maybe I let it's, mine go a year, and it came out quite nice, and that was yeah. just sitting in the garage. Yeah, you you, you got to give them a year. You got to give them enough time. Did and you then, yeah. did you taste that after six months, John? No, I just I just left it. Yeah, patience. Mm-hmm. Patience. It tends not to go too far if you have the temperature controlled and and all that. I mean, it tends to be you know fine to leave it as long as you don't see a big pile of yeast in the bottom. If you do, rack it off that big pile of yeast. Right. It'll give you kind of a uh, meaty, nutty kind of dead yeast character when i uh, sour i tend to i tend i i ferment first rack it to a corny mm-hmm. um so it's really off the yeast and then i add the sour mm-hmm. sour bugs either as oak chips or a sour pack mm-hmm. and then uh, there in southern california your garage is probably anywhere from 75 to 80 mm-hmm. um but you know like i say it's, it's gone through uh you know, the full fermentation first. So it's mm-hmm. gravity is down there in the teens. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I just like, and it's, you know, it is sealed. It's not open to the air. It's sealed, mm-hmm. um, in the car, in the keg. So, so not much oxygen going in there. Right. I mean, if you want more Brett character, you know, a little more oxygen, uh, right. if you want, uh, you know, the souring, I would, I would just give it more time. You could, nothing wrong with dosing it with more fruit too. I mean, you know, especially if you want uh, quite a bit of fruit character. If you want the fruit character to survive, just keep dosing it with fruit. Keep keep letting the fruit get consumed. Add more. Let it get consumed. Add more. Let it get consumed. Add more. Eventually, you'll get a nice fruit character. You, you can't really overdo that? You just keep doing it? I imagine you could, but, I mean, people like New Glarus. Where yeah. That's just like almost, cherries. almost uh cough syrup like people love that so so john's garage at 80 is not too hot what what is too hot uh i think anything over 68 tends to be too hot oh so john's garage is is too warm then you're saying right i guess if you're not getting any uh oxygen in there maybe it's not as bad but yeah. uh when you when you have oxygen and and the the brat and all that and you get too hot i think you get a lot of acetone yeah, and uh, no, I certainly didn't have that. Quite unpleasant. All right, next one is from Doug Granger. He says, over the last couple of years, I've gotten into sours. I'm doing my first experiments with some Brett and an open fermentation. There doesn't seem to be quite as much available info on brewing with these bugs uh, uh, as our old pal Saccharomyces cerevisiae. So it's difficult to know which temperatures, pitching rates, etc. encourage the flavors and aromas that are desirable in beer while discouraging the ones that are undesirable. How do I brew strong with these bugs? That seems like a pretty general question. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, when I saw that, I, I, my comment on it was, um, 
you know, the reason that you don't hear a lot about it is because there's not a whole lot of, you know, very hard science on how you develop those flavors. And, you know, it's it's actually a fairly new thing where, um, you know, they started working on, uh, you know, yeast and trying to get the clean yeast. And now it's a new thing where people are trying to get that funky character. You know, uh, in a scientific way versus, well, this is the way we've done it for 800 years. Uh, you know, now it's more, uh, you know, kind of a, a question of science. And so I think that's why you don't hear a lot of information. Um, in general, I would say, you know, temperature, pitching rates, oxygen, it's all the same stuff as it is for, uh, you know, your standard brewer's yeast. It's, you know, it's the same controls it is different settings that give you the best results so when you're working with brett you know the amount of oxygen brett grows with massive amounts of oxygen but it produces um so if you're like trying to do a brett starter you just pump oxygen in that thing and you'll grow a lot but it becomes very vinegary uh you get acetone you get all the nasty stuff um so uh the other thing about Brett is, you know, lower pitching rates uh, to develop more flavor, you know, control temperatures, oxygen, things like that. Um, like I said, you know, I like to keep it below 68. I like to pitch less Brett. I like to give it uh, a fair amount of oxygen to start, but no ox- very little oxygen afterwards. Right. So that's why you put the orange caps on your carboys. Right, right. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I... When I do mine, I leave a headspace of oh, a couple, couple three inches on the top of the corny, and then seal, you know, seal it, and that's that's all the oxygen it gets for the for the aging time. What about open fermentation? Does that just mean leaving a cap off a carboy or the lid off of a conical? Right. Generally, it's done in in a shallower um, vessel, you know, like a square or something like that. And so there's a much broader surface area. Um, if you're trying to inoculate it with an open fermentation, like in a cool ship, very wide and broad, and that's how you get enough uh, inoculation into the uh, uh, work to actually do something. Um, they don't leave it in those ships very long, though, right? It's, eh, it's like overnight. Um, yeah, a day or two, and then they go in barrels. Right, and then the fermentation happens in the barrels. Uh you know, so that's that's what open fermentation is for. Generally, you can do open fermentation uh, like uh, Jolly Pumpkin. They do open fermentation. They use uh, five thirty yeast, and it's in these open square fermenters. They ferment with that, and at night their their air system brings in outside air, and it settles. You're getting inoculated, and they just keep repitching this, and it gets you know this funk to it from. The surrounding Dexter, Michigan uh, uh, environment, and then uh, it goes into barrels, and then they blend from the barrels. Um, so, you know, open fermentation. Other than that, you know, you do open fermentation technically in a carboy or a bucket, just putting foil over it, so nothing goes in, but it's it doesn't have any pressure against it. That's another type of open fermentation, I think. Um, uh, Sierra Nevada, uh, not Sierra, uh, Anchor Brewing, they uh, have open fermentation, but it's in a room with uh, 
filtered air. Mm-hmm. So it's open fermentation, but it doesn't get funky. Well, weirdly, at Anchor, they allow you know tourists and just kind of people to roam mm-hmm. through those rooms. Are they just intensely filtered? How, how can that not you know uh, funk up the air? Um. Yeah. You know, as long as you're not drooling or spitting in there, everything tends to that comes off of you tends to fall to the ground. So just don't lean over it a whole bunch. And then the yeast on top tends to protect it. If you skim that off, you know. Do they make uh, open fermentation vessels for, for homebrewers? Or do you just have to build your own? You have to build your own. I guess you could use a plastic bucket. But mm-hmm. it's not it's not shallow enough, I think. I think I'd um, love to see, you know, homebrewers making five-gallon cool ships out of copper, sheet of copper. And the way they, they made the cool ships back in the day, that none of that's welded. That is all hammered seams and sealed watertight by just working the metal, which is pretty cool. It hmm. doesn't seem like you'd be able to get that watertight. I don't know. John, explain. Uh, well, if you if you beat it like in a double seal, yeah, you could get it, get it watertight. So you, you need to beat it enough? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamil just almost spit beer out through his nose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, double seam, rolled over, beaten flat. Yeah. Get oh, a little yeah. cold welding going there. Beat it flat. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. On, on that note, let's take a short break and let me recover. <laughs> we'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. New items include the Big Oxygen Kit for economical wart aeration using common welding oxygen tanks and the Unistat line of external thermostats for easy control of both electric heaters and refrigerators. In addition, They've just mashed their new oatmeal stout malt extract. So you can make those tasty winter oatmeal stouts and porters without mashing. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha <laughs> Yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Enjoy a pint? Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. 
I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones, no beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Brewers, anyone can resell homebrew equipment and recipe clone kits. Get original at Adventures in Homebrewing. Adventures in Homebrewing has the knowledge and expertise to craft their own gear and original recipe kits that you'll love. Home of the Serial Killer Grain Mill, 220,000 BTU propane burners, custom stainless steel false bottoms, as well as custom built brew stands and systems. These are just some of the items Adventures in Homebrewing designs and manufactures in-house. And the brewers at Adventures in Homebrewing keep designing too. Original extract and all-grain recipe kits that are tried and tested and proven to be of the best quality. Most popular are the Blueberry Tangerine Porter, the Nor'easter Cranberry Fest, and the Peanut Butter Conspiracy Stout. Once you try one of Adventures in Homebrewing's original recipes, you'll keep coming back for more. And don't forget to use the coupon code BIG10 when you place your order to save 10%. That's coupon code BIG10, B-I-G-T-E-N. Visit Adventures in Homebrewing at homebrewing.org right now and get original today. Homebrewing.org. Join the adventure back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys brew strong all right what you missed during that break was uh, scott wishes he was gay oh please you didn't I, miss anything i have uh, explained to him why he is gay based on his art and uh that's pretty much that i mean you know there's no arguing with with that. I, I, I that's 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 straight logic right there. It's just good science. Yeah. I yeah. I wish I was gay. You're a hero if you're gay in 2014. Right. 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 I long to like be I, gay. Like I said, you wish you were gay. Nothing wrong with that. I, I you know clearly you are. You're just fighting it. Come on. From that, uh, please. Well, this next question about sours is from a, a dude. Thank God. His name's Josh. <laughs> We're getting all worked up now. Uh, Josh Neal. He said, hey, guys, first up, just want to say uh, thanks for all the info over the shows. Uh, without listening to you guys, I think I'd still be cleaning and sanitizing. I'd still think cleaning and sanitizing was the same thing. Uh, with all of the info, my first all-grain was a great success, although I need to tweak my process. It's pretty close. He did a clone of Jester King's Noble King for the first one. Anyway, after geeking out uh, pretty full over the last year and spending loads of money, I'm getting involved with yeast culturing. I'm interested in culturing wild yeast and Brett. I listened to your show on culturing, but felt it was more on pure yeast strains. Is this something which can take the same approach? Are there any tips that can help uh, with trying the wild strains? Interesting. Um, I think, uh, you know, he says wild strains, you know, referring to Brett and things like that, I guess. But... um, you, know, you can also culture up strains uh, in the yeast book. 
we talk about uh, you know going out and inoculating some wort with you know what's what's in the air, and then plating that out and you know identifying what's in there, you know tasting and growing them up individually. We're going to do this uh, at Heretic. We're going to do a Fairfield beer uh, based on uh, this technique. Hmm. And uh, so, um, what was the question? <laughs> uh, he was saying, uh, <laughs> "Where is it? What here? kind of culture you put to this?" Yeah, yeast culturing, yeah. Uh, culturing wild yeast and bread. Right. Yes. What about it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's why I was kind of confused right. by the question. I figured, you yeah, you know, it. so yeah. I mean, don't let him watch Duck Dynasty. That's the wrong kind of culture. Right. <laughs> Whoa. So the other day, Warren, uh, I have Warren doing uh, lab work, and he uh, he grew he cultured uh, from his beard, uh, you know, kind of like John Merritt Rogue, <laughs> and we got something that looked like yeast, looked like a funky ass yeast. Oh, but it, I mean, there was one that was like that's mold. Uh, time to wash your beard, <laughs> and this one this one's yeast. <laughs> I'm I'm just dying to brew a beer with it. Oh my candida! <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Announcer man in the window shaking his head. It wasn't from the. It wasn't from the, the lower beard. It wasn't from the Merkin beard. It was from the. Uh, it was from the facial beard. Oh, oh. So, uh, yeah. It's just, people think it's disgusting, but I'll tell you this: the yeasts out there, when when you grow them up from a single cell, there is nothing else there. It is there's there's no bacteria. There's no there's no facial goo. It is a single pure cell of yeast. That's it. There's nothing on it. It's it's just a cell of yeast. That cell It'll of yeast was not that tastes like Warren's beard. Was right? not grown there. It's probably from him being a sloppy drinker or something, or it just fell in there while he was walking around because there's yeast in the air all the time. <laughs> you know, as you walk around, yeast is landing on you. Bacteria is landing on you. And your body supports a, a giant culture of yeast and bacteria. And as you walk around, you know, your hair is full of the same yeast. And, and you could probably, you know, culture the top of your head and get some yeast and grow something. You know, it's the same thing. So it's not, it's not anything funky. I think it's awesome. I, I, I love it. I think, uh, I think the thing to do is to grow this up. Invite John down from Rogue, and we we brew uh, a batch of beer, and we pitch Warren's yeast in one and John's yeast in the other, and we see how they turn out. A beard off. A beard off. <laughs> a yeasty beard off. It's just, could be awesome. I know you could do it, but should you? Yes, I should. I would rather, I would rather have a beer that was made from <laughs> taking yeast samples from the top of women's breasts than Warren or John's beard. So have, you know, have them walk through the brew tattoo is giving us a yeast sample right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John, I'd rather have that kind of beer than just like 001. I'd, I'd rather have that over everything. Right. The, the, the woman's breast beer? Sounds yeah, great. Yeah, have them walk through the through the brewery and take some samples from the... Well, I'll the tell you what. I'll tell you what. I think that's a good idea. So what should happen is all women that are willing to participate in this, they should come down to our brewery and... I will personally handle this myself. To come into the lab, will will have some privacy there. They can disrobe, and I can uh, swab 
uh, for cultures and, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll plate that up and we'll see what grows. And if we get anything uh, from from the various uh, volunteers, we'll we'll brew a beer off of that, and we will we will name it after them. When Sounds the, like a plan. When the line's out the door, you're going to post those signs like "Wait from here twenty minutes, wait from here forty minutes." <laughs> right. Yeah, as it goes down the block, you know. Right, it'll get longer. The you know the longer I I have to you know my you know, each time takes a little longer for me. <laughs> so. Send send your wives, girlfriends, daughters, as long as they're over eighteen, down to uh, Heretic Brewing Company, and we'll. Uh, I, I should probably get some blinds put up for the uh, for the laboratory now. I think. Uh, yeah, come on down. I'm serious. We. I'd be willing to give this a try. That would sell. That beer would sell. Yes, it would. Let's let's do it. I think that it is a uh, slightly vulgar but uh, interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Brutat slid me a note that said double D's have priority. I, I would say any D cup. It doesn't even need to be DD. I would say no in my in my world, anyone any any female uh, works for me. I, I'm not uh, size specific. Well, you're the owner, man. Right. You do what you want. I uh, if I offered you a, a a beer that was made from somebody who was barely an A cup. Or from Warren's beard, which one would you prefer? The former. There you go. The point. Point. My point is made. Touche. There you go. All right. So we got completely off the track. <laughs> this one. Ah, you know, Brutetti shows up. I see him drinking. I start drinking. I was being good. I was drinking just coffee. And I was totally confused the first show. <laughs> I started drinking beer. Everything started clicking. So I thought I was better on coffee, but no, apparently not. I'm, I'm clearly well, Jamil, I was going to tell you, they make open fermenters for homebrewers. They sell them at Kmart, and they're those large <laughs> plastic storage bins you can buy. There you go. They have lid on them. There you go. Nice. Look at John being Mr. MacGyver. Homebrew. Homebrew guy. MacGyver brew. There you go. There you go. All right. If you enjoyed this show, and how could you not... Uh, contact our fine sponsor, Blickman <laughs> Engineering. Tell them how much you appreciate that they sponsor this show so you don't have to pay for it. Uh, also, you know, cruise by the Brewing Network store. There's lots of goodies in there, books and and uh, growlers and glassware and lots of things to wear and all sorts of special stuff. Check it out. When you buy stuff there, the profits go directly to the Brewing Network and help sponsor shows like this. Until then, Bruce Strong, everybody. Breast East East Culture Kits. <laughs> <laughs>